Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Susan Lamarco, and I'm the Executive Officer of the School Library Association of Victoria. Welcome to SLAV's third reading forum for 2023, entitled Picture Books for Older Readers. I'd like to formally and respectfully begin the event by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I am today, the Wurundjeri Willam people, one of the five tribes of the Kulin Nation, the traditional owners of this land. I would also like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and those with us here today, and specifically acknowledge the important role of story in the history and the lives of the traditional owners of this land. We have a very full and exciting program of speakers for this event and are looking forward to hearing about the work of some truly wonderful creators. We will also consider how we can help our students explore and appreciate works in picture book format aimed at an older age group and hope you can take away ideas you can use and share. This event has been created as a webinar, so only the presenters will be on the screen. Attendees cannot turn on their camera or microphones, unfortunately, but we do hope you write any questions in the chat box and we will address them when we can. Please also feel free to uh, communicate in the chat in any way you like. Um, there has been a, uh, oh, I can see someone's already posted the Padlet in the chat for us. That's wonderful. We are recording this forum and we'll make a link available to all participants. We will also be creating an audio version for SLAB's podcast channel. We have created a Padlet for this session and the link is already in the chat and encourage all participants to add items on our topic to this space. Okay. Our first speakers for this afternoon will share with us the new National Centre of Australian Children's Literature database on picture books for older readers. Our speakers are Dr. Bell Alderman, AM, Emeritus Professor of Children's Literature and Director of the National Centre for Australian Children's Literature, and Ruth Nitschke and Rowan Simkin, both experienced educators with a specialist knowledge of children's literature who work as dedicated volunteers at NCACL. Welcome, Ruth, Rowan and Bell. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to welcome all the participants. All right, so you right for me? Yes, please. Off you go. Also, <laughs> hello from the centre. I hope you've all heard of us. Oh, we've certainly heard of a lot of you, and have possibly used some of our other databases. There's the Cultural Diversity Database and the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Database, or my particular favourite, uh, the Verse Novel Resource. It's not really a database, but it's full of similar information. And all these can be found on our website. But today we want to talk about our exciting new database. And it's reading pictures, drawing words, picture books for older readers. Now this database was launched on the 1st of July or the 30th of June, depending on who says, tells you after 15 months of intensive development. Uh, an extensive online search was conducted to undertaken to see that there are any similar databases anywhere. Uh, we've been caught this way before and we didn't want to invent the, reinvent the wheel. The only one we found was one in the USA, which was really just a list of books. It was very extensive, but it was just basically a list of books. We researched whether there was a need for a gap and that to be filled, and there was quite an amount of positive research 
on using picture books with older readers. And this, backed up with rapid and successful response to our call for financial support for the project, we were pretty confident we were on a winner. And I still think we were on a winner. For those similar, familiar with the, oh, sorry, I should have gone back, but familiar that the database uses basically the same template. There are, sim, there are some differences. The cultural diversity databases uses a key concepts rather than subject headings, whereas the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander resource has an extremely extensive list of subject headings because we've included um, the names of Indigenous groups and of uh, locations where those groups are, are found. Um, it also has a searchable field of Indigenous languages, which we consider to be very, very important. It can also provides the cultural heritage we're known of the book's creators. On the next side that came up, because I skipped over, uh, it shows why we've gone with picture books and why we think they're so important. As you can see, we consider picture books to be very versatile teaching tools. They can introduce different literacy techniques and types of literature. Well, you can all read what's on the screen, but there's also so much more than that. They are a useful alternative for all students, particularly ESL students and students that might have language difficulties. They are non-threatening. I mean, very few students don't like a picture book. Uh, they create an involvement with characters because you can actually, there's a visual reference to people. You could see, sometimes that's different. Sometimes you, you look at people and it's not how you imagine them. But here, it does it for you. There's, all, there's so much more, so much that they can be done used with. There are, I've got to take my hand off the mouse. There are also questions that you may have about the database. And I hear I've tried to answer some of them. Currently, we have 240 titles and we're growing. If you can see, and you probably can't see behind me, I've still got, there's still a shelf that we're doing, but it'll be great. We will continue to add to this database as time goes on, just as we add to the others. The books are included, they come from our extensive collection. We have a collection here of something like 55,000 uh, books, and they've come from there. They're also um, reference, uh, recommendations come from experts. We've studied journals and I've spent a lot of time in bookshops. Um, SKIS approached us about the database and have uh, and they are endeavouring to create SKIS records for all the books in the database. And the uh, whole thing wasn't just done by the people here, it was done with the help of other people all over Australia. And most importantly, it is online and it is free. So if anybody has any more questions, please put them up on the chat line. We do have one warning, though. Many of these books cover very difficult topics in mental health, death, war, all these areas. So before you just use a book, we suggest, recommend that you check the subject headings, the annotations, and the curriculum codes to determine their suitability.
This is the entry in, in the database for Jeannie Baker's latest lovely book, Desert Jungle. You can see we have uh, the jacket cover, the um, title of the bibliographic details. We suggest an audience level. And we have the, <coughs> excuse me, Australian curriculum codes. The database has a comprehensive list of subject headings, and these, the ones there, are the ones given for this book, which you, you look at, if you can see them, uh, cover quite a range of things. It covers not only the actual I'm sorry, plot of the book or subject matter of the book, but the other areas that can be useful, like the art techniques, other that can be used in visual literacy, that it could be used in, in the, if you want to talk about the environment and areas like that. If you want these, the subject headings, uh, you will need to go into the advanced filter options to play those, which we will go on to later. Each title also has an annotation which provides information about the subject matter, the artistic and literary styles, and other relevant information. Uh, there are times when we have provided information about the creators of the books. In this case, um, most people know Jeannie Baker's books. They're incredibly popular. And so we have provided information about how she came to write that book. Each book also has additional resources that you can use to extend the book, maybe reviews, teaching notes, and information about the creator or material that extends the book subject area. In the case of the Jeannie Baker book, there's about a particular desert area in, uh, South, in North America that covers Mexico and the American states of Arizona. And there are a couple of articles about the actual desert area itself. So use the database. Now, there are two ways, basically, of using it. There's a very simple search you can do in the bar up the top where you can search by the book's title or using words or phrases from the annotation that we picked up in the annotation. If this is not enough, you can click on right down the bottom of the page, the show more button. And that will bring up the next slide, which is the advanced filter options. And these are the further areas you can search in. The subject, the audience, if you want to, a book on, say, health or medicine or whatever, and you wanted to limit that to primary level, you could do it that way. You can also search on the ISBN and the curriculum codes. If you put the code in, that will bring up every book that has that code in it. There is a, on the, on the Padlet, but also on the welcome page of the database, there is a guide to using the PBOR database. We've been very happy with the response that the database has. There are some very positive reviews. Um, fortunately for us, they keep coming. Um, these are just a few of the comments. 
you possibly can't read them, I'm not sure, but there are all on our uh, welcome page, you'll find links to them. There's actually several pages of them. And we're very proud of our picture books that Older Readers Database believe is a very valuable way tool for introducing students to literary techniques, visual literacy, a wide range of subject areas, and to fabulous and sophisticated artwork. And that's one area I'd like to talk about a little bit is that it, in, in me, in the time I've been involved, I have developed such a respect for the work of illustrators and the amount of work that goes into creating a picture book. Because some of it is absolutely stunning. So we hope you'll take the time to explore the database and you find it a useful resource. And we thank you for your interest and I hope to hear more about it from you. Right. That's me. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. Um, there is a, a question in the in the chat um, for any of you, I suppose, there at NCACL. Uh, would you mind defining uh, the age group of older reader? We defined it as grade five and up, um, including adults when it comes to that. Uh, the majority of the books would really not be suitable for, say, the lower primary age groups, though there may be exceptions to that, but on the whole, they are for the primary, upper primary and secondary school students. Thank you. The... Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I think that answers their question. There is a lot of love in the chat. I hope you can take the time to have a look at the positive <laughs> comments that people are making in the chat about how amazing the database looks and how everyone can't wait uh, to explore the database. And it's wonderful to have had you here this afternoon to introduce us to it. And if we can please thank you. Um, for all of your hard work, because you've obviously made an extraordinary amount of effort to to get this going. Um, we're all very impressed with all of your databases, and it's wonderful to see another great one added to the list at the centre. So thank you very much for your presentation this afternoon. I can't see any more questions, so we might keep going. But if you do have a question for the team um, at, at the centre, please do pop it. Oh, so someone's just popped up. Hold on. Are you... Oh, are you looking for recommendations towards the list? Always, always looking for recommendations. It doesn't mean we will accept them because we do look for quality and the age levels are very important, but we are certainly, we'll look at all recommendations. And can they find a detail, do they email you, Ruth, on their website? Is that the best thing? Yes, the best way is to, is to email the website, yes. Okay, so there are details on the website. Okay, there we go, Dawn, off you go. You can start making, uh, making suggestions. Thanks, everyone. Um, what I might get uh, you to do, uh, Ruth, is just hover up to the top and stop sharing your screen. So just hit the stop button. Yeah, there's, you should see an orange kind of... Excellent, thank you, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you to you and all of the others there. Well done. So we're going to move on to our next speaker, but please do make any other comments in the chat that you'd like to make about the database or any other questions uh, you'd like to ask. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure Ruth and Rowan and Belle will be happy to answer those. 
So I would now like to now welcome our first uh, guest creator for the afternoon, and that is Toby Riddle. Toby is the creator of numerous groundbreaking picture books and illustrated books that have been published in many languages around the world. He has won numerous awards for art, literature and design, and in 2022, in recognition for his contribution to children's literature, he was nominated for the Hans Christian Andersen Medal. Toby's titles include Yahoo Creek, Nobody Owns the Moon, Unforgotten, The Singing Hat, can I just say there, one of my favourite books, The Great Escape from City Zoo, and the royal guest another title my uncle's donkey was translated into japanese by one of the world's greatest living writers haruki murakami after he discovered it in a melbourne bookshop we are absolutely thrilled to have toby here this afternoon to join us to talk about his work welcome toby thanks susan and uh, welcome everyone and um and that's a fantastic database um you've been talking about ruth um that's very exciting to see that come about um yes yeah, so I, I thought uh, i'd talk today about um <clears throat> mainly about one particular book yahoo creek which is one of my most recent ones um uh it it was many years in the making and there, there's a lot that went into it uh that i think uh gives it, a, a, at the very least, a sophisticated presentation, even if uh, the content um, is accessible to just about anyone who picks it up, I think. So I'm going to start sharing slides. Hopefully this all goes to plan. Um, yes, here we go. Uh, so hopefully you can see my first slide. Um, Yes. So this is just a selection of my books, just to give you some idea of, of what what I've been up to over the years. Uh, and and to be honest, I think I, I um, some of my books are very simple, but I I, I always believe that they should have um, uh, layers that um, that can be uh, read by different readers depending on age or um, whatever other comprehension levels, um, so that you know uh, uh, someone of any age can can get something from the book especially you know when when a parent has to read to a child it, it's a valuable thing if the parent's getting something as well uh may be different to the child and then they can talk about their experiences of reading that book um and uh so yahoo creeks there another book probably that's um quite sophisticated is unforgotten which you can see there and um of the two, Yahoo Creek is a, is more is kind of like a non-fiction book. It's a it's a it's a mystery, but it's essentially non-fiction. And probably the other non-fiction book I did was The Greatest Gatsby, a visual book of grammar, which is is it's just about language. But um, they're my experiences in non-fiction, and both of those experiences were about trying to present information. Um, in in innovative ways so that or surprising ways so that uh you know they engage an audience and po possibly increase comprehension of the the content now let me just uh, move along um so this is the book yahoo creek um probably straight away you can see it's got a particular artwork technique especially for me um that's all part of uh delivering this content um 
uh, well, working out how to show this particular content in words and pictures. So this is the phenomenon for anyone who's not familiar with it, and I wasn't until a few years ago. Basically, uh, there, I, I kept coming across stories um, about this phenomenon, and uh, and then I started looking in Trove, which is another fantastic resource for, um, you know, on offer, and uh, I, I, I found an enormous number of articles uh, from colonial times, particularly colonial times, um, about this uh, people encountering a large hairy um, hominid, um, mostly in the Great Dividing Range. It, as outlandish as that seems, it seemed to be a, a persistent phenomenon. And I thought, well, um, well, that's interesting. Uh, and maybe uh, it would be interesting to show this, uh, this phenomenon in a picture book. Uh, these, these are reports showing that it up until the release of the book, uh, there were still incidents happening. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just thought I, I didn't know much about this. I hadn't seen any books, especially for children um, that sort of looked at it as like uh, were tried to sort of anatomize the phenomenon, if you like, rather than just make up a, a story. Um, and so this is. Uh, um, uh, what I tried to do, and these are sketches of um, of uh, witnesses more recently, not colonial era, obviously, um, just showing that this um, the, the people were. Um, this is what this is their experience. I don't know what how to explain their experience, but this this is what people kept seeing. Um, so presenting the phenomenon in a picture book format. Um, raises all kinds of questions, but I, I, I do say the picture book format because to me, first and foremost, that's what a picture book is. It's a format. And although we it tends to gravitate towards being a book for children, um, it it it's uh, it doesn't hurt to think about it just as a format and think what are the possibilities of this format? And um, depending on how you handle those possibilities, it, it doesn't also have to become a book that's not for children at all. Like it can be a book for everyone. Um, so these, uh, let me just take that off. These uh, are just um, some examples of, first of all, how I decided to try and show the words. Um, just working out the text, first of all. So the text, came about through research in Trove. At first at the book, I was considering it being wordless. And then um, I started finding all these articles and actually really loved the voice um, that was coming through in those old articles, the language, um, the sort of idiom, um, all those things. And I thought maybe I should just let that voice, those voices tell the story. And so the text became a construction of extracts from these articles um, and I, to me that uh, made the phenomenon uh, especially the phenomenon as a 19th century one much more immediate uh, you felt like these people were talking to you and uh, that's what i liked about this uh, trying to present this information making it immediate uh, making it um, uh, dramatic uh, making it appeal to um, the senses more or the emotions, you know, all those things, because that engages a, a reader and, and hopefully 
makes it memorable. So these, uh, and, and then it was a case of how do you show those words? And as you can see, uh, they're designed to look almost like fragments of old newspapers with a, a, a kind of fairly antique looking typeface. So a lot of thought went into how do you, what will the words be and how do you show them? Because uh, words, uh, images, um, once once they're on a page, you've got to look at them before you read them and how they look is also how they communicate to you beyond just the, the, the lexical meanings, I guess. Um, so let me just, now what's happening here? My slide doesn't want to keep going, what's happening? Um, why would that be? I'm just sorry, I'm just going to check something here. Oh. For some reason, the slide is not, um, not quite sure why that is. We can still see the, the spread with the. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm trying to go to the next slide, but it's not, um. Okay, so there's a question has come through about the colours um, of the artwork. That also um, uh, was a decision, I, I think, uh, uh, by taking the colour out, um, uh, I guess it, it felt like an older medium, like how early, a lot of early, most early photography was black and white, so it helped sort of place it somewhere in the past um to my mind anyway so uh and um yeah uh, uh color you always have an option whether to, to be use color or monochrome or black and white um and sometimes color is just too much information so i quite like uh, the, the focus one gets when you you limit your palette um but let me just see what's happening here. I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to, sorry. Uh, I'm going to try and share again. Uh, I don't have any idea why that would stop working. I'm coming back to this. Wonderful. No, that's interesting. It just won't budge. Well, that's a shame because I've got all these pictures to show you. <laughs> Someone has um, suggested in the chat, Toby. Did you see the suggestion in the chat about using your keyboard rather than the mouse? I, I have been using my keyboard. That's the oh, thing. okay. Okay. Well, that's just um, a suggestion from someone. Yeah. Let me just see. Uh, maybe if I know all the buttons on the keyboard, are just maybe the keyboard. Uh, um, look, I, I won't get bogged down in this. Maybe I'll just leave this spread here um, and keep talking. Um, I've, I've almost run out of time. Okay, so look, the artwork too, uh, and I do have um, notes on the making of this book, which are in the Padlet, along with ones for Unforgotten as well, and they're illustrated, and they'll explain a lot of the things I'm probably going to be talking about. But even if you look at these pictures here, especially the one on the left, that that was when I was doing these images, I um, I thought, well, what 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 sort of artwork was being created around that time, like the late eighteen hundreds, and um, and I started looking at uh, uh, paintings by McCubbin and uh, Tom Roberts and mm. people like that. Um, 
And this, the, wherever they painted the bush, it was often in this sort of um, almost twilight time. And it to me, it reflected a, a, a sort of a European psychological approach to the bush as well as a place of, of mystery and um, melancholy even. And, and also there were episodes then of lost children. And so there was some fear of it. And um, so I, I, I like to allow for the idea that this creature almost embodied, um, especially Europe, European um, feelings about the bush, this this other thing that was um, mysterious and some even a bit scary. Uh, so, so I looked at a lot of paintings which were in my slideshow um, to, uh, and uh, they uh, sometimes I borrowed from them. There's a, pic a McCubbin painting called Lost, which is sort of the composition of this painting on the left of the spread. Um, other than that, the techniques are interesting too. Um, uh, yes, so that's the thing, the, uh, the, the colours, uh, well, the techniques were all about maintaining uh, an atmosphere. So this this content, this non-fiction content, I wanted to present it atmospherically. And, and again, that's where, the, where yes, the, the colours, the choice of colours, I think, helped. Um, as, as for the techniques, they're, um, I sort of developed those techniques. Um, I kind of in, and and all my artwork for my books is is a response to the content of that book usually. So it's it's how how do you best show this idea? What what colors, style, techniques serve that idea well? In this case. Um, uh, this is a, a technique of, of stamping and stenciling. So I hand cut uh little stamps out of rubbers with you know of leaves and bush uh elements and then stamped those into the picture to, in, in, to create the artwork and then i also cut stencils so the figures of the yahoo yowie creature were were drawn on a piece of paper then cut out and they became stencils and i sponged uh the ink padding so the the, the colors here come from two ink pads black and blue and um they and I like the idea of the, the sponging of the colour in too. It created a sort of soft, misty quality, um, which, yeah, um, uh, is, is a feeling you, one can get to from the bush at around twilight and dawn, which is where a lot of these images um, are set. Um, now, I think I'm just about out of time, aren't I, Ruth? Uh, sorry, uh, Susan. Um, so you're okay because we do have extra time now, but uh, it's up to you entirely. Um, it's hard without your slides, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a that's a real shame. Um, I'm just trying to think uh, what other slides I had to show. Um, yeah, uh, look, um, you've done a great job with what you've got, so please don't worry. But um, if you, if I don't know if there's any other way we can. I wonder if you, um, if you, if you went back to um, the slideshow, where you've got the slides down the side, whether you can click on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll, I'll try that again. Um, let me just go back to that. Uh, the the other thing, just while I'm doing this, um, I'll, I'll just also say that. Uh, in terms of the words for the book, I, alongside the European articles, uh, the voices of these uh, journalists and reporters, and 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 uh, you know stockmen and and timber getters and shepherds and people, um, I was able to speak to um, uh, an indigenous elder about this idea for the book, and um, and he. Uh, 
he spoke in a he, he was a man with a, he is a man with a lot of knowledge and he spoke about the hairy man with with uh, this uh, incredible matter of factness as if he was just describing a um, you know a wombat or something and I thought that was just fantastic and and so I thought how how what a wonderful thing then to perhaps juxtapose his words with these bewildered European articles and um and so sort of unplanned, but, you know, it's just good to respond to things as you go through a project. The projects are often a journey in themselves. And so I, I tried putting his words in, just interspersing them with the the extracts from the articles. And, and they, yeah, I, th I thought they had a fantastic effect. And so so the text is, is, is quite an unconventional construction, but I think it, it to me, it works well to, to, to present this particular particularly curious mystery um uh yeah um so should i attempt to share any more susan or <laughs> you're, the, you're the timekeeper <laughs> entirely up to you um well we do have a few minutes if you want but other i don't want to put you under any pressure you've already gone um for you know you've, you've done a fantastic job so however you feel if there were it was a slide that you want to try but otherwise we can certainly move on so how do you feel look i I'll very quickly see if uh, one more try. Yeah, look, I'll just just see if anything comes up. Um, no, it's that's a strange thing. But it's all oh, there oh, we go. Now you're back with yeah. I wondered whether when you're in that format, whether you could click through. Ah, here we are. Okay, well, these these are the words of Uncle Pete, and again, I I how to show those. They're a, they're a different colour to the the other words. Um, you know and uh and the backgrounds i just thought maybe looking at the ground and looking at the sky not not um particular scenes just allow the really allow the words to speak for themselves this is more of the artwork and these are some of the influences the contemporaneous artwork um to these colonial stories uh mm -hmm. the idea that of a the bush is a place where the the mythic can occur comes through in australian um early australian modern art uh, you know, and you know the 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 Yahoo hairy man was is a little bit like the Ned Kelly figure roaming around in the bush. Um, these are the lost children, famous most famous case probably. You know the Kelly Stringy Bark Creek, the Kelly uh, ambush of police. All of these had this atmosphere. You know that, that um, even these are sort of similar. Uh, Tom Roberts, Roberts, you know, and again that sort of the bush is this um, lonely place, and so you can see here uh, McCubbin's figure here being um, echoed in with the the Yahoo, um, uh, the, the, again the, the composition being echoed there, again like photos like this of of early pioneers, you know, clearing some land and then, but, but uh, at, you know, supposedly kind of civilizing this small area, but then the forest is still this dark, mysterious place. Um, and that became an inspiration for the setting of this particular scene where, um, yeah. And so, uh, and these are just like, this is how I might conceive a picture, just start sketching it up and then uh, going in with the artwork technique. And here are some of the hand cut rubber stamps. Uh, just to help illuminate the techniques and the ink pads. Very simple DIY kind of stuff. Um, cost, you know, cost about $10 to get going on this book. Um, and these are the, you know, just photocopying paper, draw, drew on them, cut out the figures and uh, and sponged ink in to get the, the stencil look as well. So st stem 
Um, there's an example of all the stamping, but also the figures stenciled. This is uh, just an example too of the um, the notes that I've made, um, talking about various kind of considerations and um, and there's some activities at the back. And I think to finish, oh, this was a lo lovely piece of feedback from. Um, I think she's a librarian. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she's a colleague or not, but this uh, she's was... in Queensland. She's in Queensland. Yeah, it's a wonderful woman. Anyway, yes. yes. So this is the kind of feedback that you love to get, uh, where you feel like, okay, this is, um, you know, this has had an impact. So, um, yeah. Uh, so and and that's the last slide. So anyway, <laughs> I made it there in the end. Um, yes. Thank you, Toby. That was fantastic. I'm so glad we got to see those slides because that was very illuminating to see the different uh, artworks and the process as well. So thank you very much for your patience and your generosity uh, in taking yes. us through that. That was wonderful. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Susan. Um, I'm sure um, everyone agrees. And if there are any questions for Toby, I didn't see any, but if there are any, please do place them in the chat. And I'm sure you will enjoy uh, looking at uh, the links that are also there on the on the Padlet um, to those explanatory pieces. So thank you, everyone. Um, we'll move on. Um, and our next speaker is going to share her views and ideas on working with young people and picture books in a secondary setting. Nairi Brown is currently head of library at St. Columbus in Essendon. Welcome to you, Nairi. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, some of you might know me from my previous school at Colby Catholic College, so I've moved to St. Columbus this year. Um, I'm a big fan of picture books, and sometimes I find it easier to recommend a picture book to a secondary student than what I do a young adult or a middle grades read. So um, when I was a child, I remember making my own picture books and handing them out to people to read and coming up with characters and drawing them. Um, so my love of picture books hasn't stopped. Um, I'm currently working in a single sex school and um when I say to the students, would you like a picture book instead, they kind of look at you. Oh, also, I'm not going to go through my slides. They're up on the paddle. I'm just going to talk. Um, so when I do mention, would you like a picture book, um, some of the comments that I get are, why picture books? They're for babies. Um, do you think I'm five years old? Don't you know that I'm in year nine? Um, the girls, I find, give you a bit more of an attitude when you say, would you like to look at um, picture books? Whereas the boys in my previous co-ed school would sort of give you just a weird look. Um, also, the photo on the front of my presentation is our picture book area. And so that's an area that I inherited. Um, it does come with a fake fireplace that I frequently do go and stand in front of, forgetting that it's not actually turned on, um, that it doesn't have any warmth coming out of it. But it does create a kind of cosy little area um, for you to have your picture books 
Um, and the girls do gravitate to that area and they do sit and read um, picture books. They grab them off the shelf. Next to that, we also have a tranquility corner as well. Um, so they can sort of sit and have a relaxed um, lunchtime or recess. Um, my current school has about a thousand students and I'm quite surprised at how much um, traffic we do get through the library on a daily basis. Um, when you recommend a picture book to them, they sort of think, you know, they say those questions, what do you think I'm like? But my response is, you don't know what you're going to find in a um, picture book. So picture books in um, the classroom and in the library can assist with uh, different subjects that sometimes you don't think that they can assist with. Um, my school has a really strong visual arts area and I'm often recommending picture books to the VCD students, um, to the um, art teachers to show them that not only are the picture books illustrated by amazingly talented people, but they're also um, designed, particularly from in the VCD area. A picture book doesn't just contain illustrations. It has the end papers. Um, it has the front cover. It has the, ins the cover page, different things like that, that someone has to physically design. And so... Um, Students sometimes forget that, you know, if they're interested in design as a career, that book design is actually a path that they um, can go down. So there's a number of um, creators that have other jobs or who work in other creative industries who don't just have picture books up who, that they've illustrated. Um, Pete Cromer, Mark Martin have... Um, Maxwell Williams lines with, you know, that they're working on drink bottles, mugs, plates, all sorts of things, posters, tea towels. And I think sometimes people forget that um, they are, you know, they do more than just create picture books. So particularly in the senior years, um, it's something that they can look at. Uh, food technology, there's a lot of books coming out with food at the moment. One of my favourite ones is Felice Arena's new book about pasta. Um, that has been given to not only um, the art area to have a look at, but also the Italian teachers because the words um, are in Italian and there's a picture of what the pasta looks like. So that's been a really useful one. Um, textiles. A favourite that the girls have liked to look at is The Tiny Tailors by Kat McLeod. Um, the if you haven't seen that book, the illustrations are amazing and it kind of, um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it the illustrations are whimsical. Um, the girls have really liked looking at that. Um, I work in a Catholic school, so illustrated Bible stories or stories that pick up, um, that illustrate a Bible story are quite useful. Um, sometimes we sort of forget that for those of us that did grow up in a religious household, the stories were told with books, with pictures, hence 
picture books. Um, basic promotion to older readers. I'm a big fan of Kevin Hanna's and um, I went to one of his workshops. Um, well, I'm going to be talking about um, a unit that we do um, where the students do look at um, picture books and I can send you a list of food books as well for the database as a suggestion. Um, we have as many of the picture books facing the front as we can. Um, it does take up more shelf space, but it puts those books on display to the students. Quite often um, I put a picture book at our circulation desk where the senior students have to sign in for their private study lessons. So they have to see the picture books. I put them where they have to see them. Sometimes I put them out on the tables for the girls to have a look at in the um, senior study area. So they're getting exposed to the books. Otherwise, quite often the senior students won't come down to the picture book area because as junior students um, in our school library, and I guess it's the same in a number of them, there's this real senior-junior divide. And at our school, the senior students sort of stay down the non-fiction end and the junior students stay down where the fiction is. So to overcome that, I put picture books aimed at older readers down into the um, senior area. Um, I think telling students why you like the picture books is a big help as well. Um, sometimes they kind of forget that we do have our own opinion on things. Um, teenagers sometimes think that we live at school or that we live in this bubble and that we don't necessarily like things. Um, that's been particularly evident lately when I've been um, talking to students about a particular um, series on Amazon at the moment. They sort of figured that maybe I might be interested in watching it because they're borrowing so many copies of that particular book. Um, tell the students why you like them. Purchase the picture books that are aimed at older readers. Um, Ruth said that she classes older readers as grade five and up. I sort of go from year seven and up because I'm a secondary school, so I don't have any junior students. Um, if you're unsure of which picture books to get, have a look at the database, which we talked about. I've spent some time looking at it and we are very lucky to have such an amazing resource that we can go to. And as a teacher librarian, I can, um, a student might come to me and say, you know, this is something that I want to have a look at or I'm interested in. If there's not a picture book, now I can go to the database. Previously, I didn't have that to access. Um, so... Uh, picture books versus graphic novels. Graphic novels are good, um, particularly ones that are made, have been made into TV shows on streaming services. Um, some picture books are being reprinted into a different format that is being classed as a 
picture book or a graphic novel. Um, an example is The Arrival by Sean Tan. I am still in love with my hard copy version of that and will never hold the paperback copy in the same regard. Um, but it has been handy having it in a different format, particularly while our Year 8 girls are studying the unit, which I will talk about. Um, my last school was a really highly populated EL, EAL school, English as an Additional Language, um, and we would have students that would arrive from other countries having absolutely no knowledge of Melbourne whatsoever, absolutely no knowledge of Australia, no knowledge of how we use our language and um, how a word that we use can have a completely different meaning to what it would anywhere else on the planet. Um, so the EAO students absolutely love looking at the um, picture books and getting an understanding of their new surroundings. And um, some, some that I can recommend are Hello Melbourne by Megan McKean. The illustrations match the text perfectly. They're easy for these students who don't have the same language skills to understand and to understand the basic landmarks in our city, know the difference between what a train and a tram is. Um, another one is When You Go to Melbourne by Marie Coote. Sometimes they live in the outer suburbs and they don't know that the inner city exists. So that's another book that is really helpful. Um, a new edition that I did use last year are the Bluey books. Um, Bluey has become universally loved and I'm a big fan of those books in teaching the EAL students um, basic concepts like the one about camping was popular. Um, they get an understanding for what life here is like and they've got cute characters and the language is very easy for them to understand. So even though they're kind of aimed at under grade five, they still have a really big and they, they're really a great um, resource for senior students. Sometimes when um, EAL students arrive, they might be put into a year level that does not match their age grouping which can be a little bit hard for these students. So I find that um, giving the students access to as many of these books is really helpful. Um, another one that is useful is Are We There Yet? by Alison Lester. So um, one of the slides that I had is my favourite picture books for older readers. Obviously, it's the first one is Sean Tan's The Arrival. Tintinabula by Margot Lanigan and Ravina Kay under the love umbrella. Someone mentioned the um, books about um, mental health and that kind of comes under that area. And I think that some um, when you're using picture books to talk about mental health, sometimes you find books that might say, feelings and things like that. I don't think that they're necessarily applicable to um, senior students. I think they're more aimed at um, 
primary school students, but books that have a subtle message about mental health, um, such as Under the Love Umbrella or How to Make a Bird by Meg McKinley. Um, I think that they're more suitable for older readers. Um, Storyteller's Handbook by Elise Hurst. If you haven't seen that book, um, you need to get a copy of it because it's absolutely amazing. Um, someone has said The Snitches by Dr Zeus is a great way to explain privilege and racism. Um, another Dr Zeus book to explain kind of feelings is My Many Coloured Days as well. That's a really good book to help students articulate how they're feeling. Um, Tales from Outer Suburbia, Are We There Yet? Fashionista, I've shown that to the textile students and it's also gone to the other part of our art area. At my school, textiles comes under art, not technology. So those, it's kind of entwined in there. Um, and Fashionista has been really popular. Um, at my current school, St Columbus, we, the Year 8 students, and I'm not a Year 8 English teacher, um, I have been in the past, and when I arrived I was told about the Year 8 Creative Narratives task and um, someone explained it to me and I went, awesome, picture books. So this year I've been able to buy a whole lot of new um, picture books. Basically, what the students have to do is analyse a picture book um, and then they have to create their own. So at the moment, they're in the process of analysing books. Um, the general theme has been hope, but some of the teachers have gone down um, the road of refugees um, another class are doing bravery. Um, another class are doing um, just a sort of general picture book analysis, not looking at a thing. Um, I've been shown examples of um, what the students do produce and they put a lot of effort into um, story. So Part of the task is they have to analyse the picture book, then they have to come up with an idea. Um, yes, I can. The um, list of books is in the presentation in the Padlet, but I can also send you a list. Um, with their books, they're storyboarding them at the moment and then they write their own story. Then they have to illustrate their story. Um, what we have come up with is that each class will have a prize given to them for the best written book and an overall prize will be given for the student that illustrates their book the best. Um, we're sort of using the CBCA um, book criteria for book of the year and um, the students have also been using that as part of their criteria or, or they will use it for their criteria for um, illustrating their book. So it means that the students are looking at the picture books, they're analysing them. Um, they're not just looking at books that they used to read when they were children. 
Um, the Island by Armand Greer and the other books that he has written have been really useful for this task as well. Um, the Elise Hurst book has also been useful for students that are visual learners and have struggled to storyboard their task and come up with ideas on what to write. So the teacher has shown them the images from um, the storyteller's handbook and given them prompts that way. Um, another teacher has also used images from the arrival as prompts for students um, to start writing with. So um, I've put my email address on the presentation and if you've got any questions, um, feel free to email me. Thank you. Thank you, Nairi. That's great. It's wonderful to have you talking about practice and what you're doing with your students. We really appreciate that. And, uh, and very generous of you to put your presentation on the Padlet for everybody. And that means everyone can follow up later. And there's been some great suggestions in the chat as we've been going along of other picture books. Um, and I think we're also asking that if people would like to add those to the Padlet too, that would be fantastic. So we're doing very well here and uh, had some fantastic presentations. We have two more yet to go. And it is my pleasure now to introduce our second guest creator uh, for the afternoon. And that is Zeno Swarter. Zeno's debut picture book, This Small Blue Dot, won the 2021 Children's Book Council Awards uh, for New Illustrator, as well as the 2021 Australian Book Design Award uh, for Best Design Children's Book and Designer's Choice Children's Young Adult Book of the Year. Zeno's second book, My Strange Shrinking Parents, has been shortlisted for the 2023 CBCA Picture Book of the Year and the 2023 ABDA Best Designed Children's Picture Book. Zeno has worked as a window washer, oh, a journalist, English language teacher, consular officer, tribunal advocate for refugees and immigrants, and a jewellery designer. Deary me, that's a very broad range of skills. But he has most at home, sitting at his desk, drawing pictures and making up stories, and our world is all the richer for his efforts at that desk. We are so pleased he can join us this afternoon. Welcome, Zeno. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much for having me. I hope the volume is okay. You can hear me okay? Yeah, that's great. Yep. It sounds okay. good. Um, it's been a real privilege to uh, sit back on this side of things. I have two young girls, one's five and the other's ten, and they are never more excited about books than the ones that they have read at school with their librarians and their teachers. So it's a real delight to see the, uh, the level of thought and consideration that goes into the books that are presented to them. Now, I'm a bit in awe of uh, Toby Riddle. He's one of my children's book heroes. And my catalogue is much thinner than his. Uh, so I hope that I have enough to fill the next 15 minutes with. These are the only two books that I've made. Um, and the book that falls uh, more cleanly into the older reader category is my most recent book, uh, My Strange Shrinking Parents. The inspiration behind that book was uh, my own childhood. The book is told as a fairy tale, but it's grounded in some of my own personal experiences. I grew up in a very small country town in Victoria called Bendigo. Um, I had a Chinese mother and an English father. And um, having a migrant parent 
in those days when I was growing up in the 80s wasn't particularly common. Uh, and throughout my childhood, I had the same burning desire that every child has, which is to be just like all the other kids around me. Um, and being saddled with a ridiculous name like Xeno certainly didn't help matters. And so my book is largely about that experience, um, but broadened out so that I hope that it can speak to other children about ideas of belonging and how our ideas of belonging change as we get older. Um, but I also wanted to touch on ideas of, of love and family and perhaps provide different examples of those things that are a little bit more than just um, sunshine and hugs. Uh, and so what I might do is, it's only a very short book. I might read through it, and then I'll go through and talk about some of the visual literacy aspects that I like speaking with students about. Um, but to start with, I'm just going to see if we can share this okay. All right, now I'm hoping that's coming through for everyone. Uh, yes, it is, but we have it with the with the slides down the side. You can leave it like that if you like. Yeah, I might just. It'll, it'll help me navigate things a little bit more. Actually, I will try full screen. Okay. That's full screen now. Thank you. Okay, great. It goes without saying that all children believe their parents to be strange. Mine were unusual for a different reason than most. Before I was born, my parents had come from far off lands. They had old shoes and empty pockets. Like all good parents, they did their best to hold me safely above the daily troubles they faced. My father carved me beautiful toys from cedar branches. My mother would quietly sing me to sleep. Can I tell you a secret that every heart knows? Love is a circle, round and round it goes. And my love for you grows beneath this proud skin. Though our lives may be humble, we are giants within. Every morning, my parents would go to work in the city. They struggled to get by. Still, they tried to give me the same as the other children. For my third birthday, my parents went to see the baker. We would like to buy a beautiful birthday cake, but we can't afford your price. Is there something we can trade with you, my parents asked. Five centimetres should do it, said the baker. Five centimetres of what, they asked. Your height, of course, replied the baker. A few years later, when I was old enough for school, the principal kindly requested only eight centimetres for each year of schooling. Then there was the uniform, shoes and books. As the years passed, I grew taller. My parents shrank further and further. Of course, there were good things about having short parents. Running races were much more fun. Sometimes I even let them win. We all comfortably fit in our small bed and could share the same clothes. Most importantly, there was more room for dancing in the kitchen. My parents continued to shrink. Even though their work became harder, they kept on going. This is the shape of our lives now, they told each other. But as I grew older, the children began calling me names. Their words made my chest ache. I didn't want us to be different. I was as sure as a boy could be that this was all my parents' fault. I pleaded with them to stop shrinking, to be just like all the other parents. I could feel my mother's chin tremble as she told me, those children think we're different, but we're not. Our hearts are just as big, our love is just as good. My parents continued to give, their world became smaller, I couldn't stop it from happening. 
I began my first job as soon as I finished my studies. I was a young man who was beginning to grow into himself. By the time I started a family of my own, my parents were as tall as a teacup. Now there was no need for them to give any more. I had learned from their example to wear my differences with my back straight and my head high. Their belief in me had grown into my courage. I built a new house for them that didn't creak or groan. Over time, I filled that house with furniture car from cedar branches. On peaceful afternoons, when the wind settled and the trees stood still, they would venture outside. And as they watched the sun set beyond our small garden, I would quietly sing, Can I tell you a secret that every heart knows? Love is a circle round and round it goes. And my love for you grows beneath this proud skin, though our lives may be humble, we are giants within. Okay, um, thank you so much for your patience. Um, I was really impressed by uh, Toby's presentation and the thought and consideration that he had put into his art. And so I just wanted to uh, talk about that very briefly, if I may. Um, and I, with the older students that I present the book to, I love talking about visual literacy and some of the components that uh, are used uh, with picture books and, and narrative storytelling. Um, so what I might do, I'll just stop that there. Um, and the way I generally introduce this is um, I talk about the differences between uh, longer uh, novel and uh, longer fiction stories um, and how when I read a book, I often think of it as uh, the author gently knocking on my heart every now and then asking if he can come in yet. And my rule is to generally give a book about 20 pages. And I, I understand that this is quite brutal, but if I'm not completely absorbed in the author's voice or the world that they've presented, um, I'll sometimes not let the author in and put the book down. And visual storytelling has a huge advantage uh, because it's kind of rather than knocking on the door of your heart, the storyteller is kind of already in your living room showing you pictures um, and trying to get you absorbed in the world as quickly as you can. And I understand that with students who are more hesitant uh, to read that um, sometimes this is useful for them. Uh, but I also understand my daughter's in fifth grade at the moment and um, she has a teacher that during reading time uh, requested the children not read graphic novels, that they read um, fiction, longer fiction and uh, novels instead because, uh, and I completely understand the reasoning for this in that with those longer novels, it is a different medium that the the reader's imagination and the writer's words are kind of working in concert and that it is providing a better insight into an author's voice or the character's perspective. Um, but as for my, my own background, um, I grew up without a television set in the house. And so I read a lot of novels when I was young, but when I discovered my first comic books, uh, which were Tintin around the age of 10 or 11, uh, it wasn't quite the end of novels for me, but um, comic books became a huge part of my life as a young reader. And I think the reason for that really is that I loved illustration, I loved the visual medium, and I loved what illustrations were able to do. 
Um, I came from quite an artistic family. Um, and so being able to see how different artists were representing the world uh, was, you know, very stimulating for me. And so what I was hoping to do, I'll just share the book again. And I'm just going to jump around to some of the pages um, to talk about some of the techniques that uh, picture book makers and authors use. And one of them is um, there are often subtle techniques that aren't immediately obvious. Um, what the illustrator is hoping is that some of them will work at a deeper level, potentially a subconscious level, and so the readers, even if they're not consciously aware of it, um, that it is affecting them uh, potentially emotionally. And the most obvious example of that is colours. Um, and so when I'm illustrating the parents in this story, um, I'm trying to do it around a more colourful environment, even though the book is quite washed out. You'll also notice that I try to tie the, the parent, the character of the parents to nature. Um, and so with the birth of the child, there are young trees. Um, there are trees when we see them traveling um, out of their country um, and trees around their home. And so that when it comes to uh, this illustration where it's a silent page um, because the, the sacrifice of the parents is you know, is really becoming uh, more aware by the reader. Um, this illustration, the hope is that it could not only indicate, you know, passing of season and passing of time, but it could also indicate um, that the parents are losing more of the height, that the blossoms falling from the tree are an indication that the parents are also being diminished. Um, and also the use of the colours with the parents at the beginning of the book mean that when there is uh, an emotional change, um, that when we strip out that colour and the natural environment and put them in a bleaker setting, that it will have more of a punch, more of an impact, or that's the hope anyway. Um, some of the other tools that are used are uh, composition-wise. The book is about a cycle of love uh, where the parents sacrifice for their child and then when the, ch the child grows up and has a child of their own, the hope is that they sacrifice for their child in turn. Um, and so these compositions are actually mirrors of each other. Um, and again, it's not something that I think most readers pick up on, um, but it's there and I'm hoping that at um, a deeper level that readers might be aware of that. Um, and just in terms of visual storytelling, this is an illustration that initially wasn't part of the book and made its way a lot later in. And the reason I've drawn the parents in this landscape is I'm hoping the book is from the son's perspective. The son was born in this foreign land. He doesn't know where the parents have come from. And his only window into that is really the painting on the teapot that they have brought with them. And so when he imagines um, the landscape of China or the country that his parents have come from, he really uses that teapot illustration um, to express this kind of mystical imagined land. Okay, so they are some of the um, techniques. I hope that was useful. I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I'm not sure if anyone has any questions at all, um, but I would be more than happy to answer.
And thank I you. guess, sorry, you go ahead, Susan. No, I was just going to say thank you. Sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> um, I, I, if there are any questions at all, more than happy to answer them in the chat. Um, I just thought um, I would close by mentioning that um, I'm really happy that people are talking about children's books or older readers. It wasn't something that I was conscious of when I made this book. Uh, and I understand that's quite a rarity for publishers. But to just talk briefly about that side of things, when I made this book, I had my first meeting with the publisher. It was just a type story. And I sat down with them and I was very keen to talk about how to make the book as broadly appealing as possible because I understood that we were kind of already starting on the back foot a little bit because it was a story about an immigrant family and I wasn't sure if um, it would be appealing to um, a lot of readers across Australia. And the feedback that the publisher gave me was that let's not think about audience for the time being and let's not think about targeting it to a specific group. Um, let's just think about making the best book that we can possibly make. Um, and so that's what I did. And then at the very end of that process, which took about two years, um, I sat down with them again and I said, you know, do you want to talk about changing the language or, you know, talking about specific demographics and tweaking it for a particular audience? And they said, no, let's just put it out there and uh, sales and marketing can, can work that all out later. Um, and I don't think that that's the way books are commonly made from, I've had the chance to meet a lot of other children's book illustrators and those discussions about um, audiences and broadening up the appeal of a book are often uh, discussions that are critical to the formation of a book at a very early stage because they understand that the categorizations not only help with the sale of the book, but it also helps with parents, librarians, and other readers to understand what may be for them and what may not be for them. Um, but in my own experience, the most interesting books, much like Toby's book, uh, Yahoo Creek, they're kind of the books that bridge those divides a little bit and sit in a bit of a middle, of a middle space. And I understand that a lot of times those books go unnoticed, um, but they're always the books that I kind of look out for and, and get the most enjoyment out of. Now, I'll, I'll be completely quiet now, but again, <laughs> if anybody has any questions in the chat, please drop them in there and I'm more than happy to answer. And thank you so much for your time. You're most welcome. Zeno, there is one question and we possibly could get you to answer it. Uh, on the screen. Uh, it's Jess and she's asking, um, the use of foreground seems very intentional. Are you able to briefly elaborate on this, the use of foreground? Yeah, um, with, uh, I'm, I'm quite new to illustrating children's books and with my last book, it was a little bit of a cheat because I'm terrible at colour. And so my idea was if I use Crayola crayons to color the book. Uh, I'll only have to work with 12 or 13 colors. So when it came to my strange shrinking parents, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I could make the illustrations most visually interesting to readers. Um, and one of the ideas that I kind of stuck with was to try and pack as much into an illustrator as possible 
um, so that the eyes are able to move around and so that while the book is being read by somebody that the reader, the the audience member or the child has a chance to move around the picture with their eyes and kind of absorb some more information that they wouldn't necessarily be getting out of the illustration. Um, and so with the book, a lot of thought was put into how could I stage the illustrations in terms, in terms of foreground, midground and background. And then I would think about each of those stages separately um, and the information that I could include in those stages um, that would be the most not only appealing but would compositionally work so that the old, whole illustration could hold together. Fantastic, brilliant answer. Now I am going to have to move on and there is another question in the chat and I'm going to ask Zeno if you wouldn't mind answering sure. that in the chat and I'm just going to say an enormous thank you. That was wonderful. You're very generous and it was a fantastic insight into your work and everyone I think was very moved by having you read it. So thank you very much for being here this afternoon and for your contribution. We have been truly blessed so far with some wonderful presentations and I, I really do thank you. Um, but we do have to move on because we've got one more and we don't want to run out of too much time. So if you could answer Ruth in the chat for me, that would be fantastic. I am going to introduce our final presenter for this afternoon. Erica, Erica Wagner is an artist, a publisher and a creative consultant to storytellers and a truly wonderful person too, I think. Her collages are inspired by the natural world and are made by layering and repurposing discarded paintings and sketches. While Erica has worked as an editor, and a brilliant one, an award-winning publisher, also a brilliant one, of children's books for many years, Hope is the Thing is the first picture book she has illustrated, and I'm so looking forward to hearing about it. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much, um, Susan. I'm just also just having that funny little moment of needing to just do something so that my PowerPoint will open. Uh, but it will do that in a second. Um, oh, oh my God, sorry. <laughs> I'm at the office. Sorry. They, they, uh, uh, doesn't everybody know you're busy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I put a sign on my door, but they didn't realise. Now, now, I'm sorry, this is a bit scary for me now because no, no, now, you're doing how we did the practising, and yes, now, it was share. You just need to share. Yeah, and now it's just uh, the wheel of death is going around and around. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Sometimes but, oh, that happens. Um, okay. Um, sorry about this, people. Just bear with me. Not at all. They're all just they're all just humming along, and it's okay, all fine. humming along. Mm. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, well, I can see it, but you can't see it. Oh my god. So have have you pressed the share button at the yes, bottom in yes. WebEx? Okay, I've pressed the share. And, and it's just maybe... the wheel of death is going it's going connecting. So I'm just going okay, to stop again. So, so we haven't seen anything here yet. Yeah. Okay, so. okay. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna try again. Share. It's saying share content. This is different to how it was the other day when I was just wanting to share my um screen. So, it's not letting me see anything on my screen. So once you're at that point, you, you, it should give you options, no? All right. Uh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to yeah. talk. I'm just going to talk to you guys. 
Erica, you're a wonderful speaker, and anything yeah, you tell yeah. us will be fantastic. I'm just going to have to do it in an analog way. Okay, sorry, sorry about this. It was an. Uh, I'll put it. I'll put my PowerPoint into the Padlet. Actually, why don't I quickly do that? Ah, I'll I'll quickly put it on the Padlet. Um, but I will also multitask by talking at the same time. Oh, you're wonderful. Um, well, I'm not yet. Um, you are, you are, you are. And if you pop it on the Padlet, everyone can either look now yes, or they, they can, can look, look at it. Or they can look later on, and that's fine too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Drake files in. Sorry, guys. Um, Please go. Ah, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Please, God. Publish. Oh, anyway, uh, it might be too big to go on your on your Padlet. All right. I'm just going to talk. Okay. So I've always loved illustrated books, and I can vividly remember key books, and I was going to show you YooHoo, which is one of my favourites, which was Book of the Year in 1970 when I was seven. And I'm fascinated by the feelings that are evoked by images and the magic that happens when words and pictures come together. And some of you might know that I've also been an editor and a publisher for a long time, working with many brilliant authors and illustrators like Toby Riddle, Lee Hobbs, Trace Bella, Anne Spud Villas, Chris McKimmy, Armand Greeder, Jane Tanner, Greg Rogers, to name just a few. And so observing what happens from the first spark of an idea to figuring out how that idea might be developed and realised within the parameters of a picture book has been a source of enduring inspiration. While I never thought I'd ever illustrate a picture book, I've found that the mysterious nature of the creative process has fed both my art life and my publishing and consulting life. Watching little ideas given the right conditions to flourish brings me joy. I can just see the PowerPoint is up on the Padlet now. So you can look at it, hopefully. And I'm a believer in slow bookmaking. A little idea is like a match flame. You need to cup it in your hand and aggressive breezes, i.e. unhelpful feedback too early, can snuff them out. Even before hope is the thing, I hope you can open that PowerPoint now and can see my artworks in there. <laughs> it does flow in relation to this talk. Even before hope is the thing, birds had found their way into my paintings and collages after meaningful close encounters, many while traveling in remote parts of Australia. There's nothing like waking in a swag to the astonishing variety of birdsong in the North. Budgies play a big part in the book. The little girl paints and prints sheets of paper and then cuts them out. She's actually making the pictures in the book. Um, and I had this amazing experience out in the centre of Australia with masses of budgies flying around. We couldn't, didn't know what they were. I pointed the camera to the sky and I got a lot of great photos and they're the shapes that are, the little girl is cutting out in the book. Um, and I had an amazing experience on a veranda one night when a barn owl flew straight at me, completely silent, and I did a lot of paintings of owls as a result. And that picture has ended up on the cover of this book as well. 
So this book began because of the Octopus Story Camp. So Johanna Bell, who's a wonderful author who's collaborated with Dion Beasley on the Cheeky Dogs books, which are also on the Padlet, uh, so that you can look at them, they're brilliant. She asked me to go to Darwin and run a story camp with her. And we worked with 24 diverse artists and writers who wanted to collaborate on picture books. And it was over six months and we did a lot of generative exercises in the four workshops. And then there was a lot of private mentoring in between and amazing books resulted. You'll see that in the PowerPoint, which I hope you're looking at. And octopus could have been called, we called it octopus because we had tentacles and we were trying to connect people uh, with our tentacles. And uh, it could have been called the what if project. What if you try that in the third person? What if we write the story in Creole first? What if you use collage poetry alongside collaged images? And it was this process of asking what if that meant that we would collaborate with each other. We, at the end of it, we thought we want to make a book together, even though I'd always said I would never illustrate a picture book. So Yo, actually, one of the exercises we did in Octopus was to um, play with uh, famous poems that we loved. One of ours was Hope is the Thing with Feathers, the Emily Dickinson poem. And this generative exercise and which you could do with stu students as well is just to write Hope is, Hope is, Hope is, put your timer on for 10 minutes. And for Yo, what Hope kept on coming up for her was birds. And so that's how this book evolved. And so we asked ourselves, if hope is the thing with feathers, what does that look like in Australia right now? And, um, and the collage approach for me really made sense to use with this story. Um, hopefully you're following along. I was going to read the story. I don't think there's enough time for me to do that now because of my problems. But you can hopefully see uh, there's end papers and it, it basically goes... Uh, the little girl is making, she's making, and then it's her imagination. And in some ways this book was a lockdown COVID book because we're all stuck at home. I couldn't go anywhere. Um, the little girl is also my granddaughter. It's very meaningful to me, this book. Um, and it kind of goes like this. Hope is a kookaburra singing the sun. Hope is the emu learning to run. And so on. Hope is a wedge tail soaring high. Hope is a grass owl nesting nearby. And it goes on through until the very end, flicking through speedily. I would have read this to you. You can read it, hopefully. And it finishes up with this idea that the little, the birds that she's made all these pictures. And I was happy about that because I thought, well, nobody can criticise me then if my birds aren't perfect because the little girl has made them. Hope is the thing with feathers and wings. And one of the things is that the little girl be kind of becomes the birds. And that was meaningful for me because in my other artwork, I did a lot of work with bird women where I used my old life drawings. I traced them onto the back of paintings that I didn't like anymore. And then you get these beautiful colours and textures and the minute you put the bird mask on, they're sort of transformed into this symbolic kind of thing. On the Padlet as well are really excellent teacher's notes that Robin Sheehan Bright has done, which show how the book could be used in all different kinds of ways. 
My daughter is a grade five, six teacher and she's used it with her kids and she actually told me what she did with them. They uh, first looked at Hope is the Thing, the Emily Dickinson poem, and then she got them to riff on that and then also to choose their own feeling or emotion or experience and do the same thing. So some of them did uh, joy is or greed is, which I think is interesting as well. And um, she also said it's obviously good for younger kids as well because it's got the rhyming pattern and so on. And I guess finally I wanted to say um, the sort of questions that Yo and I asked each other while we were making this book were things like how do we cultivate hope in times of grief, which is a lot of it is climate grief, uh, that we're experiencing habitat loss. Uh, the book also at the end of 2019, we'd had this incredibly rich, wonderful octopus experience, came back to Melbourne, the dreadful fires, all the birds. Um, what can birds teach us? What, what can we learn from birds about adapting and surviving? And all the birds in the book, if you study what they actually do, it's astonishing, like the curlew migrating so far and so on. And then what gives us hope? Um, what Yo and I said to each other, being in nature gives us hope. Nature's power, this sense of renewal. Um, what can birds and nature teach us? And I always think that nature can, I'm going for nature, go nature. Nature can write itself. That's what I hope. Um, and also it's art making gives us hope. And that's what the little girl is doing. And you can transform, she transforms into a bird. This sense of layering, which is the collage, like I paint the backgrounds but I cut out all the bits. All the collage elements are, are things that I've made. I, I try not to use anything that I haven't made myself, apart from little snippets of books and maps and things sometimes to put in there. So there you go. That's my book, our book. <laughs> Thank you, Erica. That was wonderful. I'm so sorry you had that issue there, but I have seen in the chat that people have managed to open the PowerPoint. Um, obviously, it must be quite large, so they need to download sorry. it first. I'll no, no, put, uh, that's it, and I'll put it up on the Padlet. Uh, no, it, it seems to be there, and they have, uh, and they have, uh, they have been able to download it. So anyway, we'll we'll, okay. we'll work on that. Um, oh, okay. If suitable, would it be possible to add your PowerPoint? to the resources for your book in the uh, the database? Um, that's a question from the, the centre. Yeah, well, absolutely. That would be fantastic. If you if you can get it or let me know, just contact me and I'll do something to it to make it more palatable. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing, Erica. I mean, it sounds like an absolutely beautiful book. I'm going to have to run out and buy all of these books that I don't have. So... <laughs> It's wonderful, wonderful to hear you talk about it, and I like the way you talk about the idea of nature being our hope because I, I certainly do agree with you. Um, I'm going to have to wrap it up because we're actually just over time, um, and I, I really feel like it's hard with these events. We sometimes have to rush everybody. Um, but I would like to say thank you to everyone, to all of our wonderful presenters. 
They have all been um, fantastic this afternoon. Uh, I will email everybody in relation to gathering feedback about the event and also the resources from the afternoon. Um, remind everyone of a link, the link to the Padlet and also with the recording, which will help you be able to, you'll be able to go back over that and the audio podcast. Thank you to all of our wonderful guest uh, speakers, if I can say that again. Thank you for supporting SLAB's professional learning program and in particular the Reading Forum series. I can see all of the wonderful thank yous in the chat and I know how much everyone has obviously enjoyed this afternoon. I do hope to see you all again, either online or in person. Our Term 4 Reading Forum, if I can just say that, a little bit of advertising, October 26th, uh, online again, and we're looking at book clubs, all different kinds of book clubs that you can run in your school library. So hopefully you might be able to join us for that. Uh, we'll also be joined by some wonderful creators as well. Uh, so I'd like to, again, thank everyone for their fantastic presentations. Thank everyone for their patience. Um, and I can see clapping hands and hearts and all kinds of things uh, wandering around the screen. Um, and so all I can say is happy reading to all of you. Uh, look after yourselves and take care. And I hope to see you all again soon. Thanks, everyone. You were all brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.